0: what's up usg fam welcome back to the uncommon podcast i'm your host noah weiss and i'm excited to share with you our sixth release of seven special edition podcasts that will feature messages from our lineup of speakers during the first ever christians working in sports conference this past summer this week will feature a message from the senior pastor at north star church in kennesaw georgia mike lynch In his message, Pastor Mike talks about what it practically looks like to obey the Great Commission and make disciples while working in the college and pro sport industry. If you like this content, you won't want to miss the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference on June 21st and 22nd in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Click the link in the description of this podcast to visit the CWS Conference website to register or learn more about next summer's conference. With that, here's Pastor Mike's message from the 2023 CWS Conference.
1: It is so good to be here. Did you not enjoy the panel? Didn't they do a great job, everybody? Give them a round of applause. That was so good. That's so good. It's always good to feel like you're hitting in the nine hole in the lineup, too. So it's uh, it's been a quite a lineup we've had over the past two days, but I hope that today will be an encouragement and I hope you go back home equipped. I hope that you go back on to the spaces and places that you live in and that you go to um, and know that you're, you're right where you need to be. Here's a picture of my family. So that's my, my daughter. If you'll go back one, that's my daughter got married in 21. Uh, her and her husband, Jen, my son, Casey, married Kelsey. She is, the, in fact, film field reporter for the Colorado Rockies. So they're out in Denver all the time. And uh, we show that picture because that wedding cost a lot of money, and I'm going to show that picture over and over and over, whether you want to see it or not. But that's a a more relaxed picture on vacation, but super blessed, uh, played collegiately at Liberty University uh, in Virginia, hold a lot of records that I hope will disappear here soon from the media guide because none of them turned out well, all right? And so I helped a lot of other people in their careers, but it's funny how you live life forward and you understand it backward. And how my life and, and sports have just stayed intersected all those years, and we're going to talk about that a little bit. So to help you out, to help you out, we've got a QR code. If you will take a picture of this QR code and go, this will be all the notes that we're going to hit. So hopefully, hopefully this works. My first time using it uh, outside our app, but um, my goal today is that you can go and make disciples where you are. Because here's what I would tell you. God put you where He put you for a reason bigger than you. You are not where you are by accident. You are not where you are by chance. That God has you right where you are. Some of you are in a season you pray you're in forever. You're, I mean, you're coming off the world championship. You are, you're just in the, you're in the slot and things are working. Others of you may be in a season and a time where you're like. I hope this is temporary. I hope that I'm not in this assignment long. I hope that there's a new opportunity coming or we're in that season of waiting. Here's what I would tell you. Whether you're on the top or whether you're on the bottom, God doesn't waste our time and God never wastes our experiences. And so whatever you're going through right now, if you won't waste it, he won't waste it. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So would y'all pray with me? Let's ask the Lord to speak to us through this time. Father, thank you for these amazing men and women that have gathered literally from all over the country. God, thanks for Drew and his passion to ignite a flame in the, in the arena of sports. And God, we have, we have gotten a lot of great content from yesterday and today, and we are challenged Father, my prayer over these next few minutes is that you'll pull up a chair in our lives and that you'll meet with us and that, Father, we will know when we walk out the doors later tonight that, Father, we are ready and, and God, we know that we're ready for that next assignment you've got for us back in the space and place you've put us in. So, God, speak to us today. God, I pray that your word will be more fresh than our latest Instagram post or the Twitter feed that just hit our phone, that God will crawl up into our lives and speak to us where we are. And Father, that's our prayer. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. So let, let's let's set the scene and then we'll dive in the story. We know the Book of Acts is the story of the early church, right? So Jesus lives his life. He is crucified. He dies on a Friday. He rises again on Sunday. He's around for 40 more days. And we know that when he went back to be with heaven, went back to heaven, he left the disciples. He left the guys, the 11, and the followers of that time to sort of take the journey. And we know the book of Acts is all about the early church and the gospel spreading. So one of the characters that gets introduced in the book of Acts It's a guy named Philip, and he's not Philip the Apostle. He's he's a different Philip. Philip is in a town called Samaria, and things are smoking. Like, things are going really, really good, and what happens in Acts chapter 8 is a story that we pray doesn't happen in our lives, and we pray does happen in our lives. Would y'all stand with me today when we read God's Word together, Acts chapter 8, and I'll read a little bit. We'll talk a little bit and then hopefully we can uh, unpack it for where we live. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, go south down the desert road. So Philip is in the middle of watching life change. He is in the middle of seeing things growing and people saved and people healed and all these miraculous things. And the Holy Spirit comes to Philip and he says, Well, you need now to go down south, down the desert road. Literally, that means empty and uninhabited. So for a minister, you make your living with people, right? If there ain't no people around, ain't nothing to minister to. And so Philip is doing his thing. God is working. God is moving. All right, time out. We always assume when it's good, God's in it. And when it's bad, he's not. Have y'all ever made that assumption before? When life's really good, you're like, God's here. And when life's really bad, you're like, hello, Lord. Right? And so Philip is going really, really good. And God says, hey, Philip, it's going so good, I want you to go down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. Here's what I love. Verse 27, so he started out. Time out, real quick. Yes or no? Would it have been easy for Philip to go, no? Yeah, Jonah did. Jonah (laughs) Jonah said, God, that is a great idea. I'm going that way, right? I mean, that's what Jonah did. Philip, we don't know a lot about Philip. We just know Philip went and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia. A eunuch of great authority under the Candate, the Queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. So he was a he was a proselyte, meaning he was of Jewish faith, right? And he was trying to learn what this meant this this study of the book meant. So he had traveled a thousand miles to go, and he was now returning. Seating in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah, and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip ran over, and he heard the man reading from the prophet, and Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? All right, real quick. We get it. Not everybody outside this room gets it. Would y'all agree with that? You work beside people that see your Bible. They have no idea what that means. They see a study going on. They have no idea what that means. But I'm going to tell you, I believe more than any time in my lifetime, people are more interested now than they've ever been. Philip, asked him the question, do you understand what you're reading? And the man replied, how can I unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come in the carriage and sit with him. The passage of Scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated. He received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And we know that passage in Isaiah was all about who? Jesus. Jesus' answers at these conferences are never wrong, right? And so, yeah, the answer was Jesus. Isaiah 53. The whole story is about Jesus. This guy has no idea. And listen, this is amazing. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or was he talking about someone else? So beginning with the same scripture, Philip told him the good news of Jesus. And as they rode along, they came to water and the eunuch said, look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop. They went down in the water, and Philip baptized him. In a very unlikely place, life change happened, and I'm telling you, I believe the next great revival in this country is not going to take place in the place that I get up and stand every week. I believe it's going to take place in boardrooms and offices and locker rooms and field houses and hotel rooms. When we have conversations people weren't expecting to have in places and spaces, they weren't expecting to have them. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Before you're seated, turn around, introduce yourself to a couple of people around you, and then we'll dive in and get going. All right, all right. So... This is a, I I would say for most of us, this is one of those passages we know of, but we may not know a lot about, but it's funny. So let's let's think about this, and we're going to dive into our outline. We've only got three quick things to hit. If God's only purpose for your life was for you to meet him, the day you met Jesus, he would have taken you home. If that was his only purpose for you, is for you to know him. So that would have been at age 14. I met Jesus when I was 14 years old. If that was his only purpose for my life, he would have taken me home. But he left us here. Why did he leave us here? Because God's always trying to connect the dots of people's lives. I believe this. Listen. I believe that God wants to use us more than sometimes we want to be used. I just think he's looking for people. I think he's looking for willing people. Philip, I don't know a lot. Listen, I don't know a lot about it. I didn't see any post-game interviews with Philip. I haven't seen any sports spectrum. I think he's the only guy Jason hasn't had on. It's unbelievable. And so he hadn't had Philip on but I know this about Philip. Philip was willing. Was Philip a five-tool guy? Was Philip a guy who was the best looking? I have no idea. All I know is that every time Philip got tapped on the shoulder, he went from Jerusalem to Samaria. He was a Jew. Jews didn't go to Samaria, but he went to Samaria an amazing revival broke out. And then, while it's breaking out, and he's at the pinnacle of his ministry, God says, I'm going to send you down the desert road. And Philip goes, Yeah, listen, I'm good. My yes is on the table. I'm rolling. I'll go. And we find Philip with, a, with the Ethiopian eunuch. And you know, what's interesting about it is, most scholars think the Ethiopian eunuch was the first believer of his country. And he took that faith home. What if Philip had showed up 10 minutes before or 10 minutes after? 10 minutes before, he's in Isaiah 52. 10 minutes after, he's in Isaiah 55. Isaiah 53 is the only one talking about Christ. Philip was ready, willing, and able. So, how do we do it? Because you're in the SID department, you're in equipment you're an AD, you're a coach. How in the world do we do this? Three simple things. And I think these aren't the end, but they are certainly the start. First, be attentive. Be attentive. You have heard almost every speaker talk about Before your day begins, connect with the Lord in prayer. Why? Because here's what it does. It puts your spiritual antenna up for the ways that God wants to use you that day. Because I'm going to tell you, and y'all are probably a lot better people than me, my first thought of the day is typically about me, not about you. You know what I'm talking about? My first thoughts are always going to be selfish. And if I go to Twitter, if I go to Instagram, if I go to news, and that sets the tone of my day, my day's going to be about me. But if I can get in God's word, so I wear a little bracelet, it comes off a call you'll hear about in a second, and it says, Lock Eyes with Jesus. So I do a lot of work with pro baseball scouts and college baseball coaches. and, And sometimes prayer seems overwhelming, but if I can just remember every day to get up and lock eyes with Jesus, every day. I believe Philip locked eyes with his heavenly father and he was attentive. Look at at what it says. An angel of the Lord said, go down the desert road and the Holy Spirit said to Philip, go over and walk along beside the carriage. Philip, that's the guy. I'm going to tell you something. More is going on around you than you are aware of. God is crossing paths of your life all the time. God is working to connect the dots. There is a grandmother somewhere praying for her grandson or granddaughter that showed up at your university and that's not walking with the Lord and they just happen to be under your care for four seasons. That's not an accident. Be attentive. Why aren't we attentive? Well, we get distracted. What do we typically get distracted with? What would y'all say? Phones. What else? Social media. What else? Comfort. The past. We, we lose sight of what matters. I think the word, if I were to write a word down, it would be just, we just get distracted. None of those things are bad things. Sometimes if you've been, how many of y'all are coaches? Raise your hand. We can get distracted with winning. Winning is a real deal. Winning is what pays the bills. Winning is what keeps your family employed. Winning, listen, winning is part of it, and we can miss it. Be attentive. So, I am a. I am a, and it set it up there. So, I'm a high school pitching coach, and what here's what that means. So I'm a community coach. I get paid by the church, and um, but I get to coach for fun. It's a hobby. It's not a profession. I do not put my life in the hands of 16-year-old kids who broke up with their girlfriend, all right, and so I'm not trusting, so I just do it. I do it for fun, but I can get lost in it. I was coaching my son's summer uh, travel team when he was growing up, and we opened a student building at our campus, and I had all the kids write down names of friends they prayed would come to know Christ, and my son wrote a kid's name down named Darius. He wrote Darius' name down, and he told me that he did it. So it's Saturday morning at a travel baseball game in Atlanta, Georgia, and this had, we had opened the building like three months prior, and Darius, the kid my son's praying for, comes up to me in the dugout of a game and says, Coach, I'm coming to church tomorrow morning. Now, as a pastor, That is great news. In the middle of a baseball game when it's four to four, really what what I wanted to talk about, all right? And so, now listen, this is a big game. There were 15 people, I believe, between the two teams present. It's 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. There were two umpires that didn't want to be there and 15 parents that drug their kids there, and that's about the extent of the game. But it's a big game because if we win the game, we're in the winner's bracket, and we play Sunday morning. If we lose the game, we're in the loser's bracket right? And we had to play again that night. And so I, as a minister of the gospel and a lover of Jesus, looked at Darius and said, you know, if we win, you'll be here playing tomorrow morning. Womp, womp, Right, Wrong answer. And so Darius is like, okay, coach, guess what we ended up doing? We lost. All right. But anyways, so I remember getting in the car and telling my wife about it. And I thought, even I forget why I do what I do sometimes. It, being attentive means our eyes are always up for where God's working. So we have a phrase at North Star. We say this all the time. Love God, this is our mission. Love God, love people, lift sent. The most live sent person I know is in an industry that's a crazy industry, but his eyes are always up. He's always attentive for what God's going, doing around him. The other week, he sends me this picture. I want you to check out this picture. This is from a a Waffle House. Um, Early one morning, there's a gentleman sitting over there. He noticed the guy. He was getting ready to head out. He's a professional baseball scout. And he saw the guy crying and the waitress hugging him. And he asked the waitress over, and he said, I noticed what's going on over there? What's the story? And she said, well, he's a frequent customer with his wife, and today is his first day here without her because he had to put her in a home for dementia, and it's his first meal alone. My buddy didn't go over, but he wrote a note, wrote down some scripture, paid for his bill, and sent it back across the room after he had left. Here's what we don't know was this guy over there going, Lord, if you're really real and you're really out there, I pray somebody today notices. Be attentive. We want to be attentive in the big things. Everybody listen to me. But sometimes the greatest ministry happens in the small things. It's the conversation where a a teammate or or a coworker opens the door of their heart and says, you know, I'm really struggling at home. I'm really struggling. I've had to put my parents in assisted living or I'm going through a divorce or I'm going through a job change. Be attentive. Lock eyes with Jesus that day. Listen to me and say, God, give me today your eyes, your ears, and your heart. Be attentive. Second thing, be available. We've heard this phrase a million times. God is not looking for ability. God is looking for availability. He's looking for somebody that says, I'm, I'm good. Philip was a somebody. We don't know what kind of skill set Philip had. We don't know how rivals had him ranked. We don't know how much talent Philip naturally had. We don't know if Philip was the top of his class or the bottom of his class. All we know is when God went looking for somebody to use, he found Philip, and Philip let God use him. And I'm telling you, the gospel went back to Ethiopia because Philip was available. So I did this message just two Sundays ago at North Star. It right in a series that we're doing, and I got a note. This is crazy. I got two texts that evening from families at North Star that adopted kids from a Christian orphanage in Ethiopia, and this was their note. I sure am glad Philip was available because that's where I found my child. Available. And it all goes back to a guy. We don't know anything about Philip. I think it's so easy to sit in a room like this and go, I'll never be John Gordon. I'll never be Jason. I'll never be Jay. I'll never be Coach Cream. I'll never be Kelly. God doesn't want you to be any of them. Here's what he wants you to be. He wants you to be you. And he wants you in the space and place he's given you to be faithful, and available. So I am officially old, all right? And so I remember, listen, listen, I am old. My kids remind me of this constantly by things I say. I am old. Here's what I would tell you guys that are younger, especially in your 20s and 30s. I tell you this bloom where you're planted and be available where you are, and all the rest is going to take care of itself. Be available. Be available when nobody's watching. I told the story after John told the story this morning of of Dabo, I did chapel for Clemson when they came through Atlanta after Dabo's first, so he had had a half a season and as an assistant interim coach, and then it was his first year as head coach, I did chapel for them. Nobody knew the name Dabo. You never even heard of Dabo. But I stood at a door at at the Ritz in downtown Atlanta and Buckhead, and I watched this this guy, just a tad taller than me, stand there and take a coin from a bunch of big old jokers walking through the door that says all in, the coin says all in, and he'd look at these players eyeball to eyeball, and he'd go, you all in tonight? Coach, I'm all in. He'd take the coin, throw it in a bucket, and he'd look at him. He said, you know I love you? Coach, I know I love you. Dabo didn't know he was going to win national championships. Well, he didn't know that everybody in America would know his name. He was being faithful and available right where he was, doing what he was doing, and God's looking for that. So here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to show you a video. My baseball career did not end by my choosing, all right? So the team voted and thought it was way better without me than with me, all right? And so my baseball career didn't end up. I thought I'd be in the major leagues, I didn't know that my pitching career would help other hitters go to the major leagues. I wanted to go to the major leagues. And so my career did not end up like, a, like I thought it would. And so we had a coaching change. Before my senior year, I played for a guy. Many of you may not know who he is. If any of the older people will name Bobby Richardson. He's a legendary New York Yankee. That was my college coach. Well, he retired. And the next coach that came in, they wanted to go a different direction. I ended up being a, a student assistant in the bullpen. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be playing. I thought that was the end of my baseball journey. 2017, I get a call, and I've coached. I coached, you know, travel ball and here and there and just doing different things. Always stayed around athletics. I do as much work out in the community with athletics and business leaders as anything. And I get a call from three pro scouts and a college baseball coach, and they said, we don't get to go to church on Sundays. We are sitting in bleachers we're road warriors we're looking out front windshields if we go to church we don't get to be in a, a Sunday school or a small group would you do a bible study for us and i'm like man i would love to when they're like our best day is mondays that's our most common down day it's the worst the worst day for my business you're exhausted after sundays but i'm like mondays is good for you and three guys Three pro scouts and a college baseball coach were available. And I said, listen, these are your people. You're going to have to invite them and all that kind of stuff. And so I remember going to my IT department at North Star, and I said, so – what do we do? I got all these guys, all these places, what do we do? They're like, this, there's this new technology, it's sort of cool, I hear about it, and nobody's really used it yet, called Zoom, I don't really know what it is, but it might work for what you're wanting, and I remember getting on Zoom, and it was weird, man, this is like, we were Zoom newbies in this world, and we began to do it, and that was 2017, early 2018. Three guys baseball guys. They're not ministers, but they were available. One of those guys that was baptized was a guy named Dan Drellinger. Dan was a JUCO coach in California, went to Pitching Palooza in the Midwest and heard a guy named Fred Corral that's now with the Reds. Fred at that time was at Missouri. Fred shared, and he said, let me teach you about pitching, but I'm going to share at the end of it something that's changed my life. And Fred shared the story of the Bible study. So Dan starts tuning in from California. It's 6 a.m. in California. Dan starts tuning in and uh, started listening. And then he started watching our services on Sunday. And then he ended up going to uh, a powerhouse JUCO in the Midwest. And uh, while he was there at Wabash Valley, he kept tuning in. He called one Monday and he said, man, Mike, I, I just, I get it and I don't get it. And so we hit a Zoom 7 o'clock that night, and 7 o'clock that night, Kevin Burrell and I joined with Dan, uh, Kevin's with the White Sox, and Dan at that time was, um, he had signed up with the Orioles, he was a scout with the Orioles, and I I watched on a Zoom call, Kevin lead Dan to Christ. 30 minutes, listen, 30 minutes before I went on that call, I I got a note from a guy named Rick Robinson that was a Hall of Fame coach with Young Harris Junior College and coached at UT Martin, and Rick texted me, and he said, hey, if you got any guys that need discipling, I'd love to meet with them. 30 minutes later, Dan's meeting Jesus, and, and this, is the, this is what I remember from the call. It's one of the greatest moments of my life. I remember Kevin going, Dan, does your wife know the Lord? And he said, yeah, and he said, I want you to go upstairs and tell her she was pregnant with their first child, and we're on this Zoom call, and we're listening to a wife at the top of the stairs weeping, crying. And we watched Dan fly in on a, a scouting trip to Atlanta. He had to come see a player in Atlanta. And I watched a group of scouts gather around a baptismal at 11 o'clock in the morning. And I watched one scout baptize another scout who was discipled by a college baseball coach. Don't tell me God's not up to something. Where did it begin? Guys were available. Number three, ready? Be a friend don't make this too complicated. Mike, there's just no way. Just be a friend. Come alongside somebody. Ask them how you can pray for them. Ask them how you can love them. You know what I love about it? This this is what I love about. Philip went, he ran, he listened, he asked, and then Philip just got up and sat in the carriage with him. Like, he didn't have anywhere else to be. I don't know what was on Philip's agenda, but that day, that Ethiopian was the most important guy on Philip's agenda, and he pulled up a chair next to him and he said, Do you even understand what you're reading? And the guy said, I don't have a clue unless somebody tells me. Philip says, Funny, you should ask. And Philip begins to unpack Isaiah 53 and said, Let me tell you the good news of who Jesus is. One day I'm going to get to heaven, ministers like me, and God's going to pull us over the side. You said you made this thing way too complicated. Never meant for it to be that complicated. You know what people are looking for? People are looking for people who act and look and love like Jesus. Be that. Right where you are. It may be one. It may be 50. It may be 100 that your life influences. But if it's the one, if Philip went to heaven, And the Ethiopian eunuch was the only person he ever met, but his life influenced him for Christ. Would his life have lived its purpose, yes or no? You know, the Bible says in the book of Acts, David lived his purpose in his generation, and then he was done. How do you live your purpose in your generation? Be attentive be available, and be a friend. God's looking for you. Kevin, the scout that you on there, Jason, knows Kevin. Kevin, that scout that you saw on there last year was Major League Scout of the Year. Kevin's the most live sent human being I've ever met in any industry, in anything I've ever met. I've never met another guy like Kevin. I've known Kevin since my sophomore year of high school when he was playing in the Royals organization, and we would. Throw together in the offseason. Kevin nends our calls quite often, and he will say this, and I want everybody to look at me, and we're gonna wrap. Kevin leans into the screen, our little, our little Brady Bunch screen, and Kevin, oh Kev, he leans in from wherever he's at and he says, I just want you to remember, you may be a professional scout, maybe a college baseball coach, maybe a high school coach, but That's just what you wear. You're a minister in disguise. Don't ever forget that. So wherever God puts you today, you're just wearing the outer outfit of an NBA coach. But really, I've put you there to be a minister in disguise. My prayer for each of you is that you know this. You're not alone, and somebody where you are needs you. Be attentive, be available, and be a friend. Can I pray over you? God, I'm so thankful Drew was available. And he said, yes. I'm so thankful that Jason Romano said, yes. God, I'm available. And we've all been encouraged by the stories of faith that have come across Sports Spectrum Magazine and his podcast. Father, I'm thankful that these people were, something drew them here this weekend. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit who has a greater work for their lives. Sitting right where you are right now, and this is between you and the Lord. This isn't for me. If you would say, "God, I want you to use me, like you used Philip," maybe small, it may be big, but God, I want you to use me. Would you just raise your hand and let Him know that? Say, "God, I want you to use me." I just see those hands. God, I pray for obedience and courage and strength over their lives today. Father, I don't know how eternity will be affected by weekends like this. But Father, I pray that heaven gets filled up and hell gets emptied because of a bunch of ministers in disguise who wear lots of different hats and outfits and jerseys and uniforms. But we're all working for the same cause and that's to make the name of Jesus great. Father, may we do that in our generation, and may eternity only know the full story. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen.
0: If you want to take part in the 2024 Christians Working in Sports Conference next summer in Minneapolis, Minnesota on June 21st and 22nd, visit the CWS Conference website by clicking the link in the description of this podcast. If you liked this podcast, be sure to catch new episodes of the Uncommon Podcast every other week on Thursdays at midnight Eastern time. Until next time, we pray that you will strive to be uncommon by glorifying the name of God in whatever you may do. See you soon.